For Zan, I'm Tom. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful week. What? You said you said for Zan, I'm Tom. <laughs> I said Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Oh boy, Zan. Zan, I was very tempted to name this episode something that we always say on this show. I was actually very tempted, Zan, to have our episode title be this. Just because I was going to just rant and rave about what had happened on Saturday night. But, as it seems to happen on every sports show here on the Empty the Bench Network, uh, let's say the sports gods, or in our case, then the MMA gods, the boxing gods, had some other plans this week. So, there has been a lot of you-know-what hitting the fan as of late. And we've got a lot of news that we got to break down on a, on a well on an upcoming weekend where we have no fights. Yeah, um, you kind of blew a potential intro that I, I wanted to give, which was, Tom, this is why you nor I take a single week off, because we don't know what's going to happen every single week, minus all of the major holidays. Granted, we do have a major holiday coming up in the United States that does not apply to everyone around the world. Nonetheless, the MMA uh, giant, if you will, or the combat sports giant, if you will, never sleeps because literally right before we were going to go on the air, as you said, you know what hit the fan, and it hit the fan in the craziest way possible. And truly, before we get into anything else, this is why this show is so exhilarating to do this with you because I literally think we had the same reaction um, when when the new who's we're about to talk about uh, broke. So I'm glad we were on the same sentiment there. But before we get into all of what the heck we're keeping so secretive at the moment, be sure to like and subscribe and be sure to follow the Empty the Bench Network everywhere across social media at ATB Network. My name is Zan Bando. To my left is Tom Albano. You can find my work over at bjpen.com. I'm a staff writer there. I'm also part of the, of the Bellator Rankings panel. So you can look for our rankings after every single event um, as, as a panelist for BeachAPen.com. So shout out Bellator. They have a huge event coming up in Chicago, which I will be covering in person at Wintrust Arena. So shout out to them. And, and of course, you can find Tom's work over at Inside an MMA where he's just pumping out weekly recaps almost every single Saturday. So you can look for all of his work there and all of the major breaking MMA news. And uh, other that there is, I'd say, and other and other, yeah, other MMA stories, and also starting in June, as I kind of hinted at last week, I'll be giving some assistance to the Professional Fighters League. So shout out to them. Yeah, Tom. Obviously, this is a uh, this is a big um, career move for you. Do you want to go a little deeper into what you will be doing for the Professional Fighters League now that you are a company man of sorts? What are you going yeah. to be doing? Uh, I mean, I've, I always like to be humble with what I'm saying. So, uh, obviously, there'll, uh, 
obviously, you know, very big venture because it's the first time I'm going to be working directly with an MMA organization. It's the uh, a time of great, you know, a good kind of craziness in the PFL, a time of growth. And so I'm going to be hopping along for the ride on fight nights, um, doing some website work for them and doing their fight recaps. Well, as a, uh, well, as a fellow co-host and as someone who has known you for a long time, um, I'm very proud of you, which means for those of you who somehow, some way hate the PFL, you are going to hate it even more because we are going to be talking about it extensively over the next five to six. Next month. So congratulations to Tom for taking on such a massive role with an MMA promotion. And I think it just makes our content that much stronger because now both of us, not, not just me now, now Tom, both of us are fully immersed in the MMA space. So for both of our sakes, the show is only continuing to grow. And, and thank you to all the fighters so far who have taken time out of their busy schedules to talk to me. Tom or us, and thank you to all the guests that we've had on so far. We truly cannot uh, do any of this without you, and this is a show that's still very much in its infancy, and we really do enjoy it, and if it wasn't for all of you who listen in every single week, um, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So I just wanted to put that out there and say, uh, Tom and I have a lot of fun doing this, and it's clear we're making our ventures um a lot more involved and it's just really great to see yeah absolutely it's a it's absolutely wild ride zan it's absolutely wild that well technically this is our 40th recording of the mma outsiders episodes next week's going to be episode 40 and that's also not counting you know the breaking news about francis and the ufc parting ways that was like an episode in and of itself the award show that we did at the end of last year and this August, we'll be celebrating a year of this show. So it's, yeah. it's absolute craziness. And, you know, it's really, really fun. Obviously, you know, times have changed a little bit for me. You know, uh, when uh, COVID was going on, working from home, and then 2021 hits, changing careers, you know, taking a little bit of a step back in the MMA sphere, and now, it's like I have one foot, you know, I still have one foot that is deeply immersed in this, you know, sphere. And I have not, you kind of alluded to that. I just don't slow down. I'm still cranking stuff out every fight night, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, the show has changed me too, because um, since I started covering events in person, um, it was literally shortly after the show had launched. Well, my, my career aspirations have changed a little bit, too. I'm obviously going to graduate school. And for those of you guys who know me well, um, I'm someone who, who's a jack of all trades. My main niche is MMA, but I can cover other stuff like college football, college basketball, and the NFL. So obviously this show has given me a platform to be myself a little bit more outside of all the writing and in-person coverage I do. So I think for both of our sakes, it's um, – we have one, both of us have one foot fully immersed into this. And I think it's great that our, that our values align a lot of the same. And it's something that um, I enjoy doing. And, uh, and as soon, and obviously, as, as you know, as you know, just as well as I do, as soon as you asked me to do this, there, there was no way I was going to say no, because your combat sports mind is just as smart as mine. And it's truly cool to see what our careers have, uh, progressed as in in the very short time that this show 
has been in existence. So it's cool that you feel uh, similarly. It's 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 craziness for both of us, without without a doubt. All right, let's get into the episode. So for those of you who were sleeping under a rock, uh, those of you who may have you know gone to sleep at around seven eight o'clock in the East Coast and waking up. And just waking up and you're just like, you know, what the hell has happened? Yeah, so according to Mike Coppinger of ESPN, it's happened. It's done. Finally. Finally. As The Rock would say, finally. Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence Jr., the two best welterweight fighters in uh, boxing on the planet, one holding the WBA, IBF, and WBC titles, the other holding the WBO title. And Zen, as we've kind of alluded to, as we yearn for all the time, it seems like in boxing, there can finally only be one. They will square off. T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, it is about time. And to make things more interesting, Zan, July 29th, which we just mentioned last episode, would be the date of UFC 291, headlined by Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje's rematch. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about combat sports heaven for one night and one night only, uh, this is it. And I'm going to go out and make a, a very bold statement. And this is one that you might agree with. I think this is the biggest boxing welterweight title fight. And I can say this with near confidence because it's truly what I believe in my heart. This is the biggest welterweight title fight in boxing since Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather in 2015. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. You are absolutely not wrong. This absolutely is. We have been craving this fight for years. Zan, the welterweight scene in boxing is just filled with some pretty great talent. And it was just not long ago, Zan, three, four five years ago, where you had Crawford and Spence, who were champions, uh, Porter, Sean Porter was a champion, Manny Pacquiao was a champion, I think Ugas at one point was a WBA super champion, you had all these talents, and now, Zan, all those belts, just two guys, and it just seems like we say, you know, with boxing, there should only be one. And we always dream about the undisputed title fight. And Zan, a fight like this, Zan, how many times would we hear about potential for this fight? Even to the point where we, you know, over the past year with this show, where we've heard rumors about this fight, and then boxing manages to get in its own way. Now, here we are. Yeah, and I mean, as much as we're celebrating this news, Again, Tom, we still have until July 29th. So, uh, obviously, we hope nothing happens, knock on wood. But again, it's one of those ones where I'm not going to believe it until they step on the scale on Friday, the day before the weigh-in. Obviously, we weren't alive during this era, but this feels to me like a modern-day version of like a Hagler versus Hearns. <laughs> For example, this just this just feels like one of those fights where the stars align similar to that one did many many years ago. This feels like a like a like a Gotti versus Ward, where like the stars align for those two as well, and they fought three times. This just feels like one of those fights where when they fight, no matter what happens in the fight, Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence Jr. will always be linked together 
for as long as boxing continues to exist. <laughs> That's just how it feels to me. And anyone who's a casual boxing fan, even a little bit, this is a absolute must-watch fight. These are two action-packed fighters. These are two fighters with various, various ways to win, various finishes, some massive wins under their belt. Um, I mean, an early prediction, me being from the Midwest, I have to go with the kid from Nebraska. I just really think it's Terrence Crawford's time to show that he is the baddest welterweight in the world. And even if he loses, I don't think his stock is going to go down at all, just considering who who he's sharing the other side of the ring with. And I just think T-Mobile Arena is going to be a scene among scenes. You want to talk about some major sporting events that are happening this summer? You have NASCAR in Chicago. You have UFC 290 in Las Vegas. You have Terrence Crawford versus Earl Spence Jr. You have major tennis tournaments. You have the MLB All-Star Game. You have the remainder of the MLB season. You have the NBA Finals. You have the Stanley Cup Final. This feels like it's on the level of all of those things I just said. And this is without question boxing's version of a proverbial Super Bowl, if you will. It just just feels that big without without a doubt. This is one of those combat sport nights where you're going to need, you know, two TVs or you're going to need two screens or a TV and a screen or a mobile device or something because... This is one or of those. You need a, or, or, you, or you need a bar or a sports book. That's true, too. You could, you could have one of those. Uh, I don't think, Zan, we're going to see Poirier and Gaethje fighting and then get a look at the locker room shots and see Crawford and Spence asleep while we wait for the UFC pay-per-view to end. I think this one's going to be head-to-head. It should be absolutely fun. Like you said, this is a fight in heaven. This is a fight we've been waiting for a while. I'm so excited to see this fight actually go down. Uh, this is, like I said, this is the two best welterweights in boxing today. So you, so Tom, you're actually claiming right now at the at the time of this recording that you think Crawford versus Spence is going to occur at the exact same time as the UFC 291 main event. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm hearing? But. 290, well, 291's in Salt Lake City. They're going to be in the same time zone. This is not like going to be, you know, in New York, one event in New York and the Canelo Kovalev. Wasn't that in Vegas? That was a bit of a time difference. I, I, I don't see, I don't see, you know, too much wasting time. I think they're going to go down at the exact same, even if not at the exact same time, I could see it where Gagey, uh, the pay per views are going to run simultaneously. They're just going to, you just got to hope as a fight fan that one co-main is going at the same time as the other main. Well, well actually, just slightly correct you, Utah is on mountain time, so therefore the time zones would not Okay, so they don't match. Okay. Yeah. But, they but not, one, hour, one hour difference versus three hour difference is kind of big. True, but you would assume that the Crawford Spence pay-per-view will probably start at 9 o'clock in the East versus the UFC pay-per-view starting at 10 p.m. So they, they, they will run concurrently. It'll just be a matter of which one goes off first. It might be very similar to the Canelo Ryder situation where it started in the middle of the women's fight and ended when the Bilal-Gilbert Burns fight was over. That could be that could be a possibility, too. So, Fair. Uh, 
However, none, I, no, nonetheless, for those of you who do like to allocate your money, you have a very tough decision to make as a fight consumer. So what I, so what I'd like to quickly do is break down the pros and cons. First off, we have no idea who's going to be on this undercard. So sorry, Zan, but uh, we should clarify something coming from the ESPN story from Coppinger. Um, As much as Terrence Crawford has been an ESPN plus top ranked person in the past, uh, obviously he's more represented by Ishinson of CAA now. Uh, As a result of the negotiation to Crawford and Spence, Crawford is now under a two fight deal for PBC, which makes this fight a premier boxing champions card. This will be a Showtime pay per view, so you're gonna to get this pay per view, you're gonna have to go through Showtime. You'll have to maybe go through the linear, you know, if you're the traditional pay per view outlets of your televisions. Um, I don't think the Zone is gonna be involved in this one at all, unlike the uh, Tank Garcia fight. So that's a, your options are probably gonna be a little more traditional in the sense. Yeah. So with that being said. Yeah, your options will be will be a little bit more traditional, as Tom alluded to. Um, what I was going to say, too, was as a fight fan, nonetheless, you're going to have to make a decision as a consumer. So let me, let me break down the pros and cons, I guess. So for those of you who watch the UFC traditionally, you're going to get five fights on the main card. The main event obviously is super high stakes in the lightweight division, a rematch between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. So therefore, there's that. If you're a traditional UFC fan, that's what you're going to get. But I think if you were to ask me, Zan, which one would you buy or which one would you go to in person, I would pick the boxing match. And we just because Crawford versus Spence Jr. is without question the most anticipated boxing match of the year. I want no slander about the heavyweight division because the heavyweight division is in shambles right now. So Anyone that tries to come after me and say, oh, Zan, you're forgetting Tyson Fury. No, I'm not. I'm living in the reality of the situation. Um, the, the reality is, is that Crawford and Spence Jr. are going to fight. I death. just think... Keyword is death. There is death to 147. True, very true. My point in saying all of this is this fight is a rare, rare occasion. So I feel like if you're a consistent UFC fan who can... Um, who can make the smart investment decision and you like the combat sports scene in general, Crawford versus Spence Jr., in my humble opinion, is the worthy investment just based on that fight alone. To be quite frank with you, Tom, I don't even care who's on the undercard. That pay-per-view to me is worth $60, $70, $80, $100. This is one of those pay-per-views where if you're a hardcore boxing fan, you are willing to pay anything to see that to see that fight. Would you say the same for Gage and Poirier, though? I would say no, and the reason why I would say no is because we've already seen the fight before. There's no way the fight isn't exciting. But let's be honest, and we'll get to this later. The BMF title is let's be real here. The BMF title is a fake championship. Let's be. Oh, let's be, oh, just wait. Just wait till we break down Dana's comments from last weekend. There's a lot. That will be the second half of this episode. Oh, absolutely. So my point in saying it is, if you want to make the worthy investment, these two have been waiting to fight for forever now. 
this is this is the fight you purchase, in my humble opinion. So fair enough. Um, as far and as also, I- and also, I know you were saying that there was a linear option. You'll probably be able to buy it through Showtime, like streaming wise, through your Showtime yeah. account. Also, if you don't have traditional cables, but there, there there's that too. Uh, as far as my early prediction goes, and you're going to be all disappointed in me after this, but I just think that Earl Spence's competition that he has faced, the fact that he has gone the distance with, say, Sean Porter, one of the best fights that at welterweight that I've ever seen, and the number, amount of times he's had the title defenses, I, I think Spence has just a little more of an edge over Crawford. I think it's an exciting fight. I think it's close. I think it's just as close, if not closer, than the fight that we just had last weekend with Haney and Lomachenko. But I think Spence edges out edges out a decision to become an undisputed champ. Hey, regardless of what happens, as long as the fight isn't boring, I'm all in. It might get, get my one bowl of popcorn, two bowls of popcorn, and maybe even three bowls of popcorn. Eddie, because that's how because that that's how big that fight is. If you want to consider Host hosting viewing parties or hosting private parties. Get on and that get on that now because requests are going to go extremely fast as the as the it gets closer. This is one of those fights where you treat it like a football game and have a full on tailgate. Like it's just it, it, it feels it feels that it feels that big. It, it really it really it really just feels that big. But the, I mean, you compared it, Sand. You said it's the biggest fight since. Uh... Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather and Coppinger said that same thing. Let's just hope the fight doesn't play out like Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. Oh, I don't think it will. I think these two are going to come out in the center of the ring and just start blasting each other and see and and, and, and see who falls over first. And uh, and um, if uh, and um, if the referee who officiated um, the Devin Haney Vasily Lomachenko fight. Last weekend is anywhere near those two. I think we're going to be in good hands because I thought we're we're going to get into this more as we break down that fight. But I thought the officiating in that fight in particular was absolutely fantastic. So there, there, there you go. Okay, the officiating that fight was fantastic. The judging, well, let's talk about that. So, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead, Devin Haney. Retains the Undisputed Lightweight Championship. It's a pretty good fight. Very competitive fight. It's entertaining to watch. Like you were kind of alluded to, Zan. I had my popcorn as I was watching that fight. And Devin Haney comes out on top in a unanimous decision that has been, let's say, mocked, ridiculed, debated, everything that you could think of. I kind of like what you mentioned it zan in the promo for this episode on our social media probably the most controversial decision in combat sports in this year devin haney getting the win scorecards two seven to fives uh seven rounds to five rounds so 115 113s and then an eight to four a 116 112 in haney's favor and i remember hearing the 116 112 and that Haney got retained and just being like, what? So Yeah, I mean I mean, Tom, let's remember it was only about a decade ago that a really bad decision 
also might have happened in the exact same arena. Um, the was Pacquiao versus Bradley one ring a bell. Obviously, that was way more egregious, but um, it, it it feels a little eerie that ten years later we're kind of back in a similar situation in the same building that that uh, decision went down to. Yeah, very much so. Also on the on the MMA front, we're just a few months away from the controversial Jones Gustafson one fight controversial decision in the GSV Hendricks fight. Uh, where 2013 was a year of very weird decisions, and this one seems to, you know, take the same kind of colors of that year. And I mean, for what it's worth, Sam, let's break down the fight as a whole. First of all, very first round, uh, everything was kind of a feeling out stage. And Haney seemed to have things early, and then you start to see Loma kind of pick up the pace as we get into around the third, fourth round. And you got Haney taking a couple of rounds. But by the time the sixth round came around, Dan, I think I'm trying to go back through our messages. Did you have it even through the six? I did. Yeah, it was very, it was close. Let's see. Uh, there you go. Okay, so you had a 3-2 Loma, and then I said 4-4, four, 5-3 four, through 7. I said I could see either guy being up through 1 through 7. It was very close. There were a couple of rounds that were very, you know, coin flippy, and a couple of rounds that were clearly for one person. But by the time we got to the halfway point of the fight, Sam, uh, that's six round, seventh round, eighth round. At, at some point, you messaged me, Loma looks awesome. And I actually said to you, yeah, Loma is looking like his old self. And I did I not say last week that Loma <laughs> needed to look like that 2018-19 self in order to... Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking for the timestamp. Uh, we, I said that Loma looks awesome, which it would have been, uh, it would have been going into the 12th round. All right, so that and that's key. I want actually want to bring that up because that is key for what we're going to talk about with the judges' scorecards. Because rounds eight, round seven through like ten, Loma just seemed to pick up a pace, and Loma seemed to be in such a world where he was he was hurting Haney. There were times where it looked like Haney could have been trouble, and I was on the edge of my seat just waiting for something drastic to happen. But either. Haney lands a big counter and stumbles Loma. And, and Loma got Loma had to eat a few shots in that fight. Haney, Haney troubled him a couple of times, but I was waiting for something drastic like Haney to take a knee or to get knocked down or something, or a flesh knocked down. Yeah, and um, you know, I had it I had it seven to four going to the going to the twelfth. All right, let's talk about the twelfth round. Because part of this is revert. Uh, part of this also revolves around some comments that Lomachenko recently mentioned. So, obviously, after the fight, you saw him very heartbroken, crying in his locker room. Loma admits, I think this was on Monday, that basically he took round 12 off. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, who could really blame him? Because it seemed like the general consensus online and in the broadcast, even from Joe Testator, they, you know, they even thought that he more than likely had the fight won. So I don't, I don't, 
Oh no, and obviously you never want to take a round off as the challenger, but you know, it felt like the way the momentum was going in that fight that he would he certainly wasn't losing, but according to the judges, he he was, or it was or it was tied. So it's yeah, very so, it's it's very interesting. So here's my whole take on it. Yeah, I, I think Loma takes some some fault in this. You do not take a round off as the challenger. And there was a quite a part of this fight, like we mentioned, the first half of this fight, first two thirds of this fight, where it was pretty close. So I, I don't think resting on laurels was a smart thing to do. That being said, uh, you still had some people saying that Loma won the twelfth round. I don't know if I necessarily agree on that, but I did say that if that if Loma won the twelfth, it was a draw at worst, or else a Loma win. Maybe that's why I think that. Uh, okay, so your final scorecard was one sixteen to one thirteen for Loma. I said yep. that I, I said at worst, at worst a draw. Um, judging by those comments from Loma from Monday, I guess I can buy the one fifteen one thirteen Haney close fight. I just don't understand. And here's where the big part of it is, Sam. What I don't understand. Is this eight rounds to four for Devin Haney? And the person who gave him the eight four to one sixteen one twelve was veteran judge Dave Moretti. Here's where Zan the BS lies in. So it was just a couple of weeks ago, Zan. We were talking about that Henry Cejudo Aljamain Sterling fight, and I had said that Henry Cejudo that I felt like Aljamain Sterling did win that fight, but there was no way in hell that Henry Cejudo didn't win that fifth round, which I think we said one of the judges gave Sterling that fifth. And if that was not taken, then Cejudo would have won the fight on that split decision. Which is even even more bizarre considering how the third and fourth round went in that fight. Yeah. And now here, Zan, and like I said, Dave, Dave Moretti, David Moretti, a veteran official of multiple, multiple championship boxing fights. That, and I talk about that really awesome run that hey, that uh, Lomachenko was going in through in, like the second rounds of the fight, second half of the fight, rounds like six or seven through ten. And he awards eight through ten for Haney. How? That is a slap uh... in the face. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not just a slap in the face. Um, that's, uh, that's someone who's judged too many fights and doesn't care anymore. That's what, that, that's what I, that's what I think. You know what that is? That's this. That is this. Mm-hmm. I tweeted out a still, a still image of an old episode where we had this banner up. And you know what? It's quite appropriate. It's it's still appropriate. Yeah, because honestly, Zan, honestly, yes, there are times like these, times like this banner right here, where I feel really thrilled as a combat sports fan. Because yes, I lean more to the MMA than boxing. Maybe there are times where, you know, my professional wrestling fandom that I've had since childhood will triumph over boxing. But in my heart, Zan, I still want to love this sport. And there's times like this fight where I feel absolutely over the moon. And then you get bullcrap like this. Bullcrap, 
I should be more specific, like that scorecard. Because now, if you actually correct those and switch them up, then you've got a split decision. You have Moretti's scorecard in favor of Loma and two scorecards in favor of Haney. And then you're talking about, oh, with a split decision, a close fight like that, you'd probably have to run it back. And I still think you're going to have to run it back. As much as you've got Zan, Shakur Stevenson, who could go after Haney here, or who could go after uh, Tank. And as much as his name slips my mind, who won the opening fight of the pay-per-view card, who was also at this weight class. Uh, one second. That's easy to fight. One second. Okay. Um. Yeah, he, he. It was the opening fight on the undercard, and I believe he was eighteen and zero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me think. His name was um. It was name was Muratala. Yeah. 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 My 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 point, Sam. As much as you got those, and maybe some other contenders, are we really gonna let the you know? And and we talked about Loma, his last chance of finding the old Loma, last chance of getting gold again. Are we gonna really let the sour taste in our mouth from this decision? Be the last image. Are we really gonna? We can't end on this, can we? I uh, doubtful because I don't think I don't think his dad will let him. That's what I. That's what I don't think. And they're and they're pissed because they thought they had the fight win. So there, there's no way that his son can walk away from the sport of boxing feeling that way. In my opinion, no way. Not with what he's done in his career. Not with who he's beat. Not with the legacy that he he's shown. Not with what he's done for his country. Now, how he's represented the sport with such class and grace, there's no way. And he even said he's not comfortable talking about it. Obviously, Monday, he was comfortable talking about it, and he, and he got, you know, a day to reflect on it. But still, it's like he he, he lost in, in one of the saddest um, fashions that I've seen after a fight in my life. And I understand that you have a couple more years left on me. But I don't remember an image of a fighter who lost that made me as devastated as them panning to the locker room and showing him with tears. It just makes you feel gutted for a guy like that. Absolutely, absolutely gutted. Absolutely. And I know Haney will take this win and will run circles with it. But yeah, and I, I, just, I, I just think, too, on the other side, looking at Camp Haney, I just think Mr. Haney's lack of disregard for how good the fight was saying it wasn't that close just shows how much Haney's camp doesn't even, doesn't care. And when you, when you already have, um, when you, when you already have other fighters coming out and saying that the fight wasn't close, um, in terms of the scorecard and that Loma clearly won seven to five, that means, you know, you have a problem. And then it's just so devastating with the amount of, technology we have and even artificial intelligence i mean it's 2023 and boxing is still living like it's 1974 and it's it's just really disappointing we have so much evidence now we have real-time live statistics that literally paint the entire picture of the fight if you look at every major statistic of that fight and i think it's almost every single one favorite of lomachenko you don't even have to watch the fight for you to tell me that when I just look at the stat sheet, that the wrong guy won. And that, now, that's, that, that's exactly what happened. And, I, and I'm and i devastated, and that's why 
boxing fans who have only been boxing fans are being steered away from this sport because they hate absolute incompetencies like this. And this is example number 4,568 of, uh, of that exact issue. And, and, it, and it's just absolutely devastating. Uh, and I'll say this, Sam. You can't go on everything from a score sheet because uh, take for our sport of MMA where you've got significant strikes versus total strikes and such, what technically counts as effectiveness. But here's the thing. Number one, you're talking about people being turned away from the sport because of BS kind of decisions. San, the reason Teddy Atlas is more of an MMA person than a boxing person, well, I shouldn't say that, but we see him more on MMA with MMA fights than boxing fights at this point is because he has called out the BS that is in the sport. San, if you, I don't think, I'm not sure if you remember, 2017, after the first Canelo Triple G fight, where we had that really horrendous 118-110 scorecard from Canelo uh, by Adelaide Bird for Canelo Alvarez. And he went right on ESPN and basically said, there, there is still corruption in this sport. Now, whether you think he was saying crazy talk or not uh, is up to you. But he's right in that there is a problem within the sport. And Zan, I'm going to take what you're talking about, that we have all this technology and, we, and artificial intelligence. This is not just a boxing problem. We literally just said that a couple of weeks ago with the UFC pay-per-view, how one scorecard for one round was absolutely asinine. And you saw how much one round on one judge's scorecard changed that fight. This is not just a boxing problem. This is a combat sports problem. This is a commission problem. And, and it also, speaking of Teddy, just the fact that he's right, that judges are not held accountable for their scorecards, that Dave Verretti is not basically going to be held accountable for anything like this, that the Nevada State Athletic Commission, San, and then we've seen some cases of this in the past, where it's see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil. It, it is just, it's asinine. It's asinine. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not just asinine. It's downright insanity. I mean, you don't have to be, I don't have to be a, I guess you could say, statistical data-driven nerd. And this is no disrespect to MMAI because MMAI does a great job. But I don't have to be a statistical data-driven nerd to watch that fight. And even with no numbers in front of me, even with no numbers in front of me, and even if I had no commentary, commentary in front of me, I think I would have scored the fight the exact same way just because on the pure principles of boxing, effective striking, um, control of the center of the ring, all of these things, Vasily Lomachenko did it well and he did it to a near T. And it's just absolutely disgusting that three people, three people who are, who are double our age, maybe even triple our age in some cases, who have more than likely never competed in a professional boxing match are making the decisions to affect the livelihoods of the, these fighters' careers that give so much time, effort, uh, and, and money into being the best in the world. And to see this still happening when we don't have monitors in front of them, when they're not in a private suite with no commentary watching television screens, it's time for a change. And 
no matter how much you or I or thousands of other people, either in the media or, or the fans, no matter how much we speak up about it, it's clear that our message of better judging and better officiating is just simply being heard, and that's downright sad. Because the commissions don't care. And on the MMA sphere, sphere, I know there's this advocacy for open scorecards. Here's the thing. Open scorecards can solve certain issues about certain fighters, you know, that realizing that they're in the hole and they need to do something. But, Zan, open scorecards does not change bad officiating. Open scorecards does not change bad judging if you have a commission that is not going to hold judges accountable. If you have a commission that does not care. And it seems like that's what it is constantly. It's just you hear about all the solutions that you have talked about and they just don't care. And this is also the same commission, mind you, Nevada, that we're talking about. This is the same commission that, you know, accepted that USADA was now going to come into the sport of MMA. This is the same commission that said, Okay, we'll 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 open we'll, we'll help you know create a master plan for MMA during COVID with the help of the UFC. They're a commission that's done so many amazing things over the last ten years when it looked like they were the worst commission in combat sports, and yet ten years later, with all this technology, with everything I've just uh, reiterated, they still haven't figured it out. And when they call themselves the best commission in the world. Things like that go directly against every principle that they've ever established, and it's down and it's downright disappointing. How about, I mean, Zan? How about the fact, like you're talking about all the all the bad that's happened with the Nevada State Athletic Commission? You could also say, you know, for all the good that they've done, they were also one of the leaders in restricting fighter pay. That ever since 2020. All those fight, you know, pay disclosures about win win totals and how much each fighter is getting. That basically nobody does that. You know, any, any, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say nobody. It's only certain states do. This is the same commission you bring up USADA, Zan. This is the same commission that gave Anderson Silva just a year for steroids, but wanted to ban Nate Diaz for life for weed. Yeah, it's. I think you meant to say Nick Diaz, but, Nick but Diaz. yeah. Uh, but um, by the way, if it ended up being Nate, I think uh, I think I think a lot of buildings would uh, would uh, would would burn down. That would have been. That I know. I, been, I meant to say Nick, and I said Nate. I'm just saying that would have been that would have been an even worse day had it been <laughs> had it been Nate. But yeah, they. Uh, you want to talk about? We're gonna get into this later. You want to talk about Dana White being dubbed a walking contradiction? NSAC is also. The definition of a walking contradiction, the literal definition of it. So there you go. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't know. And, okay, and, so, and, that's, and that's the thing that makes me sad, Zan. I'm sorry. Just, I, I want to yeah. see change. I feel bad for Lomachenko. I want to see a rematch, but I just don't think the commissions care enough about BS like this. Agreed. So uh, let's play matchmaker for a second. Um, I mean, this is a fight that you have to run back if you have any sanity. Is that is that is that fair to say? It's a spit in the face of the sport if they don't run this back. 
will you never watch boxing again if you don't run this back or will, or will we keep feeding into the hypocrisy and still watch boxing as much as we watch MMA? Is, is, this, your, is this your breaking point, Tom Elban? Or is this going to be is this going to be the moment where you say I give if you know if they don't figure this out I give and I'm strictly only being a consumer of mixed martial arts. I mean I've been thinking about if I, if I, when am I ever going to get to that point? But Sam, I okay, let me ask you as combat sports media personalities. Okay, is that within our right to say we're not going to we're not going to do that? Because then you can argue, oh, you know, if you do illegal streaming, you're taken away from the fighters and you're advocates for fighters pay or that basically you're not going to watch the you're not going to watch the fights. So now you look bad because, you know, you're supposed to be an MMA or combat media connoisseur. Like you get what I mean? Like, is that not contradictory on our part? Yeah, I understand your point. And I think it uh, by the way. I was just throwing salt in the wound because I would never, I would never actually do that. Number one, but I actually do think it is up to every individual media member with what they decide to do and what they decide to cover and what not to cover. And it's ultimately up to them. And if someone decides they no longer want to cover boxing, there's, there's 40 other people who do it and there's 40 other people who do well. So it's not like people will run out of options because they won't. So as far as a fight that that is going to get booked next, like you said, it has to be the rematch. Otherwise, do you? I mean, do you think they're going to look at something like Haney versus Davis to kind of, you know, to kind of, you know, to, to like, are they going to overlook the Loma being potentially robbed for the sake of trying to run Haney versus Davis, or, you know, will? the commission come in with mandatory challenger and then throw somebody like Cambosis or Zapata to him. Given boxing's track record, I think in four to five months, I think you're going to see a fight with Cambosis and, and not, um, and not Lomachenko. And not to, and I don't mean to disrespect Cambosis, but still. And like, he's had, and he's had several chances. Yeah. So, so, yeah. uh, I think just end with this. Boxing got in its way again. Again. Well, nonetheless, there was some good boxing news this week and some bad news, but we got to be as as uh, up-to-date as possible, whether we like it or not. It's clearer stances that we're disappointed. But I got to say, as someone who genuinely likes Devin Haney and is a Devin Haney fan, hey, 24 years old, all the money in the world, multiple, multiple world champion. I mean, man, he, he's the he's the pride of Las Vegas, and uh, anyone who wanted to see him win, I think, just gained more fans. So actually, I don't think either guy's stock went down at all. I think the fight lived up to the hype outside of the decision, and I think um, it's a fight that people will talk about for many years to come. That's for that's for sure. For better or for worse. All that's right. Well said. So no, we for had, better or for worse. We yep. had the good. We had the bad. Let's talk about the shocking. Chantel Cameron. So it was Katie Taylor, who was the undisputed lightweight champion. She was not defending her title. She was going after another undisputed title, the super lightweight title, uh, which is held by Chantel Cameron. And Cameron came out on top. I was not expecting that. Yeah. So, uh, so both Eddie Hearn's fighters did compete. Very rare for the 
for the for one of our favorite promoters on this program. So Eddie Hearn had to sit on his hands the whole fight. And uh, for those who didn't know who Chantel Cameron was um, a week ago, they definitely know who she is now. And uh, I think it, I think she, with this upset, um, just made women's boxing that much more popular. And it makes a potential Cameron-Taylor rematch that much more appealing. And it also makes a potential Cameron-Serrano winner fights Taylor fight that much more appealing too. So I think uh, the super lightweight division in women's boxing, uh, th- there's nothing to complain about. It's only it's only on the up and up. And this decision, unlike the other one, state side was actually scored correctly. So th- there, yeah. there you go. Yeah, definitely scored correctly. So I'm interested, Dan. What do you think? Do you think you, with this win, this kind of shocking win here, do you do a Cameron Taylor immediate rematch, or do you do something like? Cameron versus Serrano with the winner fighting Taylor, as you alluded to. I think Cameron versus Taylor is the biggest women's fight you can make right now. That's what I. That's what I think. And then, do you have the winner of that of that rematch face Serrano? Yeah, you do the winner of that rematch against Serrano in Puerto Rico in Q one twenty twenty four. I like the sound of that. Yep, and and you just keep the round robin going. So then. The, then the cycle will just continue. So anyone who didn't believe in women's boxing before, there's a reason to believe now because there's three queens, if you will, at super lightweight that are going to make waves for the next year. And that is for a sport still in its infancy and being built up by Eddie Hearn the way it is. And and to me, he's really a trailblazer with this whole thing. The, the night could not have been more successful for match room and zone, it was a very successful event. So, and that's not count. And Zan, that's also not counting Cecilia Brockus. That's not also counting Clarissa Shields. There are some pretty damn good women's boxers. For those who kind of just you know discard women's boxing and toss it to the side, there are some names in women's boxing that you should that you should <laughs> be watching. Yeah, and for those in the Midwest, Clarissa Shields does fight. In, uh, in Michigan in a few weeks, if you are interested in going to a women's boxing match for the first time, that might be one to consider. Uh, just, throwing, just throwing it out there. So um, sure. w- 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 women's boxing is only on the up and up at this point. <laughs> and Eddie Hearn should be very happy about how the last several weeks have gone. Wood versus Laura, Canelo versus Ryder, and now this fight, he should be, he should be very proud. Speaking of women. UFC side, Zan, we had a women's main event between Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. And dare I say what I told you, Zan, uh, that same day of Saturday, uh, Saturday of uh, Combat Sports. That was Mackenzie Dern's greatest performance, not just in the octagon. That was her greatest mixed martial arts performance ever. Like, that yeah, yeah. was insanity. That was awesome. Yeah, Mackenzie Dern did not fight like the number eight ranked fighter in the division, she fought like she was on the doorstep of a title shot. And um, she just went absolutely incredible. Everything she wanted to do to Angela Hill, except finish her, she did. She just she came damn close. Several, <laughs> several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything she wanted to do to Hill, she did. And credit to Hill for hanging in there the whole fight. An absolute fan favorite. And... 
just a fantastic main event to actually cap off a UFC Vegas card that was actually flying under the radar that happened to have some very impressive finishes. Well, Zan, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of just the thing now that a UFC card looks like utter trash and then it absolutely delivers. Um, here's- and I'll admit, I'll be the I'll be the first to admit, I saw the end of the co-main event and the entire main event, and that's all of the card I saw. I had to go back and rewatch the highlights later, so I did see Michael Johnson get floored as well as all the other fights on the card. Overall, a very successful UFC event. And shout out uh, Joaquin Buckley for another impressive performance. So, so here's my question about Dern now, Zan. So, okay. UFC rankings, Dern only moved up one spot. She's now at number seven. And part of that, I think, is maybe because from uh, Whaley down to number six, Verna Genderoba, they have a lot more MMA fight experience than her. So, here's my question. Who do you book Dern against next? Because, yeah, she's only number seven at the same time, Zan. Like we said, she was fighting like a top five, top three contender. Like her, her jujitsu, obviously she has the bat, the jujitsu grappling background, but her hands, she was crushing Hill. She came out firing from the start all the way to the end. So what, what the heck do we do with Dern at this point? All right. So give me the newest top six okay. as of, uh, as of right now. What, okay, what the is top the newest six. top six? Carla Sparza, Rose Namajunas, Yang Xianan, Amanda Lemos, Jessica Andraj, Verna Jandaroba. I should add her post-fight comments. She called out Rose Namajunas or, or a rematch with Yang Xianan. I, I think you have to do the Rose fight, honestly. I actually think you do Yang Xianan and you headline that as a fight night. With, uh, well, considering what we were talking about with Yang Xianan last week and Li Zhang, do you think Basically, Yang Zhenong puts the title shot on the line that if Whaley wins, but um, Mackenzie Dern beats Yan, then Dern gets the title shot. That's exactly what I'm going at. Yep. I, I, I All right. That's an interesting one. I, I kind of. Yep. That's a that's a that's a tempting one. And, I, knowing, I the, and, and knowing the UFC, how much they're getting by, behind Yang Zhenong. I think they're going to do whatever she wants as long as the fights in China, they don't, they're, they're, they don't care who it's against. So. Uh, I mean, like I said, I could see either of those things happening. All right. But Zan, I think the bigger thing from Saturday, as much as the UFC card that night was great, was Dana White's comments. So there is a, Trio, actually, uh, four kind of headlines. There's a trio and then a small fourth headline here that all revolves around the news that we talked about last week, Francis Agano joining the PFL. And Dana White had a response last week uh, when he was asked about his thoughts on Francis joining with the PFL. And that's just the, it makes no sense to me, it's just the base of it. So... Obviously, we've got this. I'm just going to briefly go through the slides, Zan, just to show the headlines. We got this PFL One Championship rumor, which part of it was fueled by some comments that Dana made. Obviously, we heard about the PFL purchasing Bellator rumor a couple weeks ago, but Dana White made a comment during the post-fight presser. You got this whole thing about from Bloody Elbow about fighter pay. You got Don Davis mentioning the PFL pay-per-view plans. So here's what I think we do, Zan. I think let's let's watch all near six minutes 
of Dana White's comments about the PFL and Francis joining them. We'll break it down like as best as I can into thirds. So every two minutes or so, obviously if we reach two minutes and he's still talking, we'll just wait for a sentence to finish and then we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good to me, pal. All right. And once again, shout out to shout out to Jedi Goodman for, you know, he's always taking stuff from, I shouldn't say taking stuff, but he's always posting things from the MMA hour from post fight interviews with Dana and press conferences that are very key to be watching for. A must a must follow if you are a entertainment or combat sports consumer of any sort. He is a absolute must follow, must bookmark. Just wanted to throw that out there as well, for sure. All right. Let's start with the first couple of minutes. Um, you know, based on what I know about the deal which is not much. Um, it makes no sense to me. I mean, you're going to pay a guy not to fight for a year. And it's already been like 18 months. He's fought three times in the last three years. It's just not what we do here. It's, just, it's, not, it's not what we do. And the day that we released him, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, Francis wants to take zero risks doesn't want to take any chances. Um, and he d- obviously didn't want to take a chance against John Jones. And after we saw what happened with Cyril gone, you know, I, I don't blame him. I think the outcome would have been exactly the same. And I'm sure most of you do. And I'm sure Francis does too. Um, you know, and the media makes it sound like that. I'm saying that he's afraid of him. I don't think that he's afraid of anybody. It's just the fact that he doesn't want to take any risk. He wants to, you know, PFL is going to pay this guy to train for a boxing match that may not even happen and that they might not even be involved in. How how does that make any sense? It, it, It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, Anthony Joshua called it a gimmick fight this week. You know, he, he, when asked about that fight, he's like, I'm focused on fighting the best guys in the world, you know, I'm not interested in the gimmick fight right now. And that's one of the big problems with boxing right now is it's, it's all about these gimmicky type fights. And that's just not what I do here. It's not what I do. I, I put on fights with the best fighters in the world and, 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 and fights that people want to see. Francis could have done a, a deal here. Huh? All right. I want to stop there. I want to. St- I know it didn't make it to two minutes, Sam, but I want to stop there and hold on. Talking about not doing gimmicks. Hold on a second, Sam. Hold on. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my god! Stop fucking lying. Why this is the same man. Oh my god! I have it looping. <laughs> I forgot to turn the loop off. Anyways. This is the same man who is going to be promoting a BMF title fight in a couple of months. This is the same man who booked CM Punk twice on pay-per-view. Zan, this is the man behind Power Slap. We don't do gimmick fights here. Yeah, well, uh, Dana White's going to Dana White, I guess. (laughs) Um, I mean, um, I think... I personally think to start, there are a couple sides to this, and they're going to hate me for this, but 
part of Dana I agree with and part of Dana I don't agree with. So let me start with the part I don't agree with. Number one, the gimmicky fight types, the gimmicky type of fights comment. Sorry, that's a tongue twister. The gimmicky type fights comment um, is a bunch of BS, and I'll explain why. Top. I, I I know how to explain why, Zan. I know how no, to explain no. why. Okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Two words. Jake Paul. Yeah, I mean Jake Paul isn't even in the UFC, and that's what we're talking about. That's what that's what he was driving for a year. He he wasn't talking about him, and then all of this I mean, he didn't want to talk about him anymore for reasons unbeknownst to both of us. But you want to talk about gimmicks? He's the biggest gimmick in the whole room. <laughs> Seriously, wait, how much have we talked about Sand that you know? He and Vince McMahon are so alike that he is a Vince McMahon figure in mixed martial arts. Like, he has that personality. Oh, yeah. He's the literal definition of the MMA version of Vince McMahon. And uh, it became more abundantly clear after uh, the UFC sold to WME and became public. (laughs) There's no no doubt about it. It's gotten more frivolous in the last three years and more... Uh, noticeable in the last six months, without a doubt. All right. What about the part you agree with? Um, the part I agree with is he's right. It doesn't make sense. They're they're giving him a deal to basically sit out for a year where you don't even know if he's going to box or not. And as I was alluding to a week ago, are we really going to shelve out $75 to watch him fight Greg Hardy or Fabrizio Verdum or eight no heavyweight that I've never heard of. I mean, I just I, I I I'm sorry, but that part of the deal still still ruffles some feathers with me. I feel like if you're going to sign with an MMA promotion, you gotta you gotta start your deal at some point. It's like you want to keep waiting around for a boxing match. You don't know if any of the guys you want to fight are ready. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. That's the Part of it that doesn't make sense to me, and and quite frankly, it doesn't make sense to Dana either. Because when is Francis is going to fight? We're going to wait for a year for the PFL to maybe promote a Francis Ngannou fight. Who wants to see that when people when people want to see fights every week? It just to me, it doesn't make sense. But that, do you think that's, that that's the part that I agree with? Come on, is that the way they're the way they're dragging this out for this one year? But do you think? That well, I should say, do you blame Francis when you consider how much more money he could be making in a boxing fight? Which, again, part of which we'll get into when we talk about the bloody elbow story about UFC fighter pay. Um, can you kind of rephrase that? It was a little bit confusing. I'm sorry. Okay, so I was alerting to the audience uh, about that we will talk about UFC fighter pay, the recent story from Bloody Elbow, in just a little bit, but. Do you blame Francis when clearly there's going to be, you know, much better pay options when in boxing with the pay structure than in mixed martial arts? I actually do blame him because Francis isn't getting any younger. He's 36 years old. He's not in the prime of his career anymore. And he was just coming off of major knee surgery. We don't know how fully healthy Francis Ngano is. So the answer to that question is, 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 is no uh, or, or, or actually, yes, I, I, I do blame him in that regard. Yeah. 
I do. All right. So let's go back to let's go back to the uh, to the post fight comments. Let's continue with the next couple of minutes of Dana. Okay. Hunter threw the kitchen sink at that guy. You know, Hunter went to more dinners with Francis and Ganyu and, and, and did everything in his power to try to get this fight done. And, you know, Francis just thinks like, that he's in a position where he's got some Conor McGregor Mayweather fight on his hands, which he does not. That, that, that fight was like a once-in-a-lifetime type deal, fight that I wasn't very interested in. Um, and, uh, but, but at the end of the day, it became so big. The right guys, the right time, the right place. The fans wanted it, so, so we did it, and we got it done. Um, MMA guys versus boxers doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I know that he thinks there's, there's all this money in it. I disagree. I, I don't think there is. And, and, and I have no beef with the PFL. I mean, these guys have always been, um, super professional and, um, you know, never talked any smack. You know me. If I don't like you, whether it's De La Hoya or another, uh, you know, uh, organization out there, whatever it is, you know, I, I don't hold back. I'll let you have it. But, um, you know, what they're doing makes no sense to me. Th- their business strategy. I'm hearing that they're uh, raising money right now, you know, 280 million, 300 million. I don't know what the number is from the Middle East. And I've done a lot of business in the Middle East. Those guys are sharp. And they know what I don't know who in the hell would give them $280 million because I'm hearing they're buying Bellator, right? So you're an organization that's burning cash, have no ratings and selling no tickets, and you're going to raise $280 million to buy a company that's burning cash, sells no tickets, and does no ratings. It sounds fucking absolutely genius to me. Um, All right. I am going to stop there again. And, Zan, I'm going to say that I am going to – I don't know if the word – I don't know what the word is, but obviously as somebody now who is affiliated with Professional Fighters League, I am going to – I'm just going to state for the record that obviously I do not start officially until the season resumes in June. None of my onboarding information – you know, everything came from the Professional Fighters League. None of it came from any sort of Middle East organization. So I don't know where Dana is making that claim. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, he says he doesn't know the number, yet he throws out $280 million twice in the same remark. So, Dana, I have a question for you, my friend. Do you know the number or do you not know the number? Because if you don't know the number, why are you guessing what the number is when you literally oh. just said it? You don't so, know what the number is. So, Zan, you mean the question is... Why you always lying? Oh, my God. Stop fucking lying. Oh, and by the way, you asked who in the hell would raise um, money from the Middle East to support the PFL after they signed the biggest name in MMA? A lot of freaking people, okay? <laughs> yes. A lot of people. Oh. A lot of people. Uh, I, I just think I just think it's wrong for Data to be making a remark about about the PFL and their business strategy or Bellator and their business strategy. And 
we've talked about Zan on this show about signing certain fighters or promoting or lack thereof of certain fights or fighters, but come on, man. Like throwing the two hundred and eighty million dollar thing out there is just what the hell? Uh yeah. Yeah, that uh that's gonna be a sound bite that's gonna get replayed over and over again. You already know that. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the last couple of minutes, I think, Zan, since it was brought up, let's talk about it here. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a rumor that the Professional Fighters League could be buying Bellator. You heard, you heard it from, like, the Todd Atkins show, the, the MMA, that basically, you know, they were throwing it as a, you know, as a suggestion or a thought, and then all of a sudden it was promoted as a rumor. Uh, you saw the Barstool guys spinning back this pickup on it. Uh, you had certain people, uh, Al Zolino, I think we had mentioned by name a couple of weeks ago, that pretty much tried to say, you know, you know, it's not a thing. And now, Zan, somebody else we know, John Hyun Ko, great in the uh, Asian MMA scene, you know, has done shows with uh, James Lynch and others. He is. He has tweeted out that basically what he has heard is yes, the PFL is in on potentially buying Bellator. However, so too is one championship. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on this to start? Uh, I mean, we've talked about last week about I mean not last week a couple weeks ago about the potential there you have with PFL and Bellator about how maybe they could operate as two different promotions a la UFC and Strike Force still were for a couple of years or if we'll see an absorbing and the pro and con about you know okay maybe it's one less promotion for fighters to go to at the same time maybe a Bellator PFL super promotion of sorts could allow for, you know, bigger fights and allow for, you know, more potential for both organizations by coming together, you know, being a sum instead of separate parts. Um, one championship. I don't know if I kind of like the idea of one championship purchasing Bellator. And I say that because, Zan, it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the one card and we loved the one fight night 10 card. But we said that that one fight night 10 car needed to deliver because one had tried to get a foothold in the United States uh, when they were signing all those guys in 2018, signing all those stars, had the deal with Turner. And then you have 2019, they start to, you know, help have events broadcasted on Turner uh, here in the United States. Then the pandemic hits and kind of screws things up for 2020, 2021. Lost a little bit of step going to Amazon Prime. And we basically talked about how they needed to deliver. So how is it that we go from a promotion that really needs to deliver and actually a promotion, Zan, that does have reports, like Dana has been mentioning, about burning money, to all of a sudden now one championship could be buying Bellator? As Hank Indictor says on Game On, make it make sense. Yeah, make it make sense for sure. And I just don't know... uh how one championship is going to do that, considering that they've only had one U.S. show and they're not as popular as Bellator and not even close to the level of popularity as the UFC. So I don't see how the partnership really makes a ton of sense. And when you think about Amazon Prime and Showtime, 
coming together in that regard. I just don't know how that relationship makes sense. And yeah, everything just feels weird to me about that. The the PFL Bellator alliance makes more sense than Bellator one championship does. And, that's what I that's what I think too. And Zan, depending on how this signing goes with the PFL and Francis Ngannou, yeah, we talked about all the risk that comes with it. But Zan, there's still a thought out there that the PFL could move into that number two or a solid three position that one championship basically goes below them too. So I, I don't, I can't see with all these circumstances, one getting involved in such a thing. And what's your main reason for that? Would you say? Uh, the report, any potential reports about one's finances, the fact that, like we said, one doesn't have the foothold here in America. You kind of alluded to, I don't know how a Showtime, Amazon Prime, thing, how that's going to work. It, it just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of logistics there that I question. Okay, interesting. All right. So shall we finish Dana's comments now before yeah, we get to this? Yes. Okay, back to Dana. And I don't know. Uh, I know how the story ends. I, I, I get what Francis is doing. I wish the PFL all the luck in the world. I wish him all the luck in the world. It's, it's just not what we do here. Um, you know, right now, when you think about it, he's going to this company. I don't know what they're paying him or what's going on or any of that stuff. He, he's not even fighting their champions. You know what I mean? He, he wants to box. He signs with this company. and He's not even willing to fight their champions right now. He's fought three times in the last three years. And he's, it's been like 18 months since he's fought. And from what I'm hearing, he's not going to fight for another year. All the stuff that's being talked about, it's all bullshit by the media. The media is creating all this bullshit. It's, it's just, it's like, I, I had to hit, listen to this fucking Robin Black, who looks like he came out of a fucking 1997 fucking time warp, talking shit. If anybody needs a makeover, somebody please help that dude. Get, get him. What's that show on TV? Major makeover or whatever the fuck it is. Somebody sign Robin Black up for that thing. This guy's out there talking all this shit about, um, you know, oh, we're, we're just all about marketing, not the best fighters in the world and all, all this really stupid shit. So a lot of this stuff's just coming from the media. Um, but when you think about Francis, Francis, you know, their last champion, or maybe it was his current champion, lost to Tibera, right? And then the champion now, I think, lost to Yuri Prohaska in the first round, who isn't even a heavyweight. Francis doesn't want to fight these two guys now. Am I the only one that, that, that this whole thing is just a bunch of bullshit? So that's my two. Okay. Wow. Taking shots at Robin Black like that. <laughs> by the way, in case Dana forgot, he's been interviewed by Robin Black on several occasions. So... I don't know if Dana remembers who Robin Black is, but um, he's Zan. not just—he's not just someone coming out of a time warp. He likes to broke, and he's actually a combat sports uh, connoisseur uh, who actually knows a lot of stuff. So I don't know what Dana's really talking about there. Number one, 
I think that I think that Dana was confusing Robin Black with Rebecca Black, the Friday I, girl. I, I think so. I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. You were resuming. You were saying number two. Yeah, and then I'd say the the second thing I wanted to allude to was uh was um for the record, Dana. PFL has new champions every year, so what you're saying doesn't make sense. <laughs> and, and he's talking about, uh, and he's talking about a first round thing with Yuri. Wouldn't that have been in uh, Ryzen then? Yeah. So you're getting your, uh, you're, you're getting your competing MMA promotions confused. Yeah, but of course, no one is smart enough to tell him that, which is really unfortunate. But if we is, were is there, it not smart or not brave. Uh, and sorry, excuse me, let me rephrase. The MMA media, well, most of them are, are very smart. Uh, they were not brave enough. If I, if I was there, I think you would agree with me. I would have probably called them out on that. I would have been like, hey, I, I don't think that's right. So, Zan, that means, you know, in the next video that he makes where he takes shots at the MMA media, your photos are going to be up there. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, he's giving me plenty of kind interactions, so it's all it's all good. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I understand the point you're making, and you did agree with one point, but I think he was spewing a lot of the Dana White, you know. Yeah, and you want to talk about Francis Steele being BS. I think the one who's being BS is uh, the man with the microphone. <laughs> so, I mean, so I mean, <laughs> Blame Francis if you want. Say he bubbled a bag, but I mean, coming out in the way that Dana did, I just, no, I, I don't like it. No, but I will agree with Dana in saying that uh, I do think Francis would have gotten smoked by Jones in two rounds had they fought. So mm, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Jones is on a different level. You, you can't compare, not to transition into a Jones Nagano discussion, but to me, Side by side, the, their legacies are, are incomparable. You cannot, you cannot tell me. Oh, I that, didn't say that. I didn't say that. Jones's legacy is. Far no, I, no, I know. I, I just think Jones would have easier work than people might think if they if they ever fight. Um, but I also think Dane is bitter that um, he didn't uh, he didn't get Francis the way he wanted to, and. If you think about it, that's the second fighter that I know of on the male side, at least, that Dana wanted but couldn't get the other one being Fedor Emelianenko. So there you go. Two biggest heavyweight fights ever, Jones versus Francis and Lesnar and Fedor. They both got away. Yep. All right. But part of what I was referring to before about Francis taking the chance and trying to get a better payday and such, well... It also connects with another story that recently came out, actually right before we started recording. So I was only able to skim it. Zan, I don't know how much of you saw of it, but this came from Bloody Elbow, and Chad Dundas of The Athletic basically uh, uh, basically uh, emphasized it, you know, and verified it. Uh, Apparently, the UFC fighters only received about 13% of the revenue share in 2022, and we even mentioned, Sam, on Empty the Bench, I, I do with Nick Morgison, that basically the UFC fighters don't get as much of the revenue share as their counterparts in the big four North American sports. But what's interesting to note is that the UFC saw some record profits in the same year where the fighter pay, 
uh, the fighter revenue share decreased about $33 million. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with with these facts and figures alone, the Jones Nagano fight could have happened last year, but it didn't. So, and with these numbers, Dan, you know, you can BS, I mean, you could say whatever about, you know, Francis all you want, use the term bumble the bag, but I mean, I, I, with, if these reports, if this report from Bloody Elbow is true, you can't blame it solely on Francis at that point. No, you, no, you can't blame it solely on Francis, but I think it goes to show the power of Conor McGregor, who we're going to talk about in our next segment, that his absence probably had something to do with it. And I think, well, I think it's Conor McGregor in a couple of ways, Zan. It's that and the fact that, Zan, I think I even mentioned it last week. I don't think, I think the Dana has seen what's going on with Conor McGregor. And while Conor McGregor was great for the sport, great for the UFC, and increased the you know, profits and increased profits for the promotion and the sport. He also, whether Dana wants to admit it or not, like he's not going, he's not going to admit it, but Conor McGregor is bigger than the UFC. And, and Dana, Dana White will be, Dana White will be damned if he lets somebody like Francis or even John Jones or anybody be bigger than the UFC. And he's the only fighter who can weigh that claim because he did things that no one else had ever done. And he, he, and every single thing he promised, he 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 did. He said that he would compete in one professional boxing match. He did. He's and he would be the fastest um, superstar in UFC history. He was. He said that he would win um, a belt a couple years into his career. He did exactly that. He did everything he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And and that's why Zan, that's why he's got the notorious movie from several years back. That's why he's got the new Netflix series about McGregor Forever, which I still need to watch. That that's which, why. Which spoiler alert, it's one of the most well done documentaries through two episodes in any genre that I've ever seen. It's very it's very good. Oh, which by the way, Zan, one more hypocrisy from Dana's comment saying, I don't get this MMA fighters fighting boxers. Oh, really? You guys didn't even have to do anything for it. It was all a Showtime uh, production. What are you what are you complaining about? <laughs> you didn't you did it because uh the man your buddy Conor McGregor forced your hand and forced you to make the fights. You made the fight. And 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 it was just all, oh, you know, yeah. It was bad for you. It was only the second most bought pay-per-view in boxing history. Uh, yeah. No cap, literally. <laughs> uh, also, a side note, by the way. Interesting side note. Speaking of the Barstool guys, speaking of PFL, so from Don Davis, who did an interview with uh, Spinning Back This, apparently there will be no PFL pay-per-view this year. Uh, apparently, they, according to Don Davis, he said, they honestly had to look at themselves and ask, are we here like at the level we want to be at yet? And he said, we said, you know, there's still work to be done. So no PFL pay-per-view. So I guess they're going to wait until Francis is ready to make his debut in 24 for the next PFL pay-per-view. So I assume that means also the championship card this year is not going to be a pay-per-view. It's going to be traditional ESPN again. Uh, Yeah. And I think for the PFL's sake, this is the right decision. 
but what's interesting, Zan, as actually one of our buddies, Drake Riggs, the expert on women's MMA at this point that we know, uh, that might be bad news for Kayla Harrison's contract because Kayla Harrison's contract is for the super fight pay-per-view division. So are they going to force her to sit out? Or are they going to try, you know, pull some strings to get her on that championship card in maybe November or whenever it is? I would think they would pay her to not fight. That's what that's what I think. If that's the case, then do you see do you see the possibility that at the end of this year we can maybe revive the thought about Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg, but not Chris Cyborg coming over to PFL, but Kayla going to Bellator? Oh yeah, this is where that talk is going to start to heat up sooner than you think, in my opinion. Oh yeah. I think oh. the only issue that you have with Kayla going over to Bellator and trying to get that fight, Kayla has talked about she does not want to cut weight. She has talked about that 155 she feels most comfortable at. It's going to be a good point. It'll be a story to watch. That's for that's for sure. All right. The last, last uh, story, last segment, Zan, as you mentioned, Conor McGregor, so... A statement from USADA says that they are expecting that Conor McGregor will re-enter the pool ASAP. Obviously, that's been a big elephant in the room because once September got announced, Sanford, Australia with 293 and 292 for Boston was Sterling versus uh, O'Malley. We said, okay, what the hell is going on then? What the hell is going on with this fight? Obviously, there was the talks that McGregor had not you know, done any of the USADA stuff. He needs to re-enter the pool, come out of retirement, officially be in there for six months. If he gets in by June 1st, that would bring him six months would be December 1st. So now it's actually looking likely, Zan, potentially what you had alluded to last week, maybe they're going to wait to December to do the coaches fight and have basically McGregor versus Chandler be the end year pay-per-view in Vegas. And, and, and that's what I, I, that's what I'm going to predict right here, right now. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> It'll be that'll be a main event for UFC 296, either at Allegiant Stadium or T-Mobile Arena, in my opinion. That it should be, you know, I mean, Zan, in in all honesty, like I don't like the fact that we're going to have to wait so long for the coaches' fight, but I mean, ending the year with like you know the last, I mean, the second half of the year. Let's just do the second half of the year. 290 with Volk and uh, Yair. 291 with Poirier Gaethje, 292 with Sterling O'Malley, 293 Adesanya versus blank, 294 with um, Islam Makhachev versus to be determined, blank. 295, 295 hopefully Jones Miocic, Jones's retirement fight, 296 McGregor versus Chandler. That is a solid. Main eventing, you know, main event spree for the second half of your pay-per-view calendar. I would agree 100%. And as an MMA fan, you can't ask for anything more than a potential possibility of John Jones and Conor McGregor back-to-back main events to end the year. That's pretty That's pretty damn big. I, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm. Let's, you know, but we got to wait and see. Let's see if by June 1st, I mean, I know the UFC typically does the – they try to do it like the second weekend of December. Let me advance to December on my computer, Zan. So okay. we got Saturdays for December 2023. 
2, 9, 16, 23, and 30th. That's right, because the, the football schedule is in my head. Saturday, that week 16 Saturday games are Christmas Eve, Eve, as I call it. So that would mean 2, 9, 16. I, if the calendar Zand goes by anything that UFC has done the past few years, that would mean December 2nd would be the last ESPN cable card for the year. December 9th would be the pay-per-view. And December 16th would be the ESPN Plus exclusive, if it's like anything they've done the past couple of years. Yeah, so we could pencil in that December 9th is a potential date. So that would mean so that would mean Connor would need to be in like even June 9th would be pushing it. That basically means he's got like two weeks to enter the USADA pool. Yep. And if he doesn't, then you gotta assume that he's gonna get some sort of exemption like Lesnar did. Uh, 100%. Or you could see the UFC pull the plug on one of their events that we just mentioned and do some shuffling last minute. You never, you never know. That's true, too. All right. That'll be worth seeing. All right. Speaking of McGregor and Chandler and Tough. So, Zan, two part announcements that we need to make to the people. First of all, absolutely. For the, this is the last Wednesday show we're going to do temporarily. For the summer, the MMA Outsiders will be moving back to Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. That begins this Tuesday, May 30th. Yep. And there is a reason for that. It is because the MMA Outsiders is going to do a limited series. Yes, a limited podcast, a season podcast to the podcast. Because we would like to present... Tough Enough, The Ultimate Fighter Aftermath. It will be a weekly show following every episode of The Ultimate Fighter Season 31, which begins on May 30th itself. So, in the mornings, you know, on Tuesday mornings, you'll get myself and Sam with our normal episode. And then that night, all throughout summer, from May 30th to August 15th, to when the tough season ends, Zan and I will recap every show. You know, we will watch every episode. And then we will come on here and discuss all the aftermath. You know, what happened in the fight, the tough the fighters in the tough house who fought, any drama between McGregor and Chandler. It is going to be an absolutely fun time. That begins this Tuesday, May 30th, with the premiere of the Ultimate Fighter season 31. Absolutely. And don't forget for the finale, we will make sure to make it a little bit longer because at that point it is it is a full traditional card. So for those of you who are wondering what are you guys gonna do about the finale? Well, there's your answer. For sure. So, ultimate fight, tough enough. The ultimate fighter aftermath, courtesy of the MMA Outsiders, begins this Tuesday. And again, to uh, all MMA Outsider episodes. In the meantime, while Tough is airing, so for the for the summer season only, we're going to go back to our original Tuesday morning time slot. So that is the news that we've got for you. Can't wait. It's tough season, baby. It is a absolutely tough season, and uh, this feels like the biggest Ultimate Fighter season yet, and it is going to be a absolute, um, I guess I'm just going to swear and say it, it is going to be a shit show for the next <laughs> 10 weeks, and it is going to be unbelievable television for the biggest four letters in sports, ESPN. It is going to be absolutely outstanding. For those who don't know, ESPN and ESPN Plus, is your home for the Ultimate Fighter, first time in Ultimate Fighter history, that ESPN, yes, regular ESPN, not ESPN. Near ESPN. 
not ESPN News, regular ESPN will air Tough 31 every week for 10 weeks beginning Tuesday, May 30th. I believe it's at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central time. So I would assume if every episode is an hour, then our streams would probably be at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central. They'd air for about 20 to 30 minutes. Exactly. We'll give you the Cliff Notes version. And uh, if you have not watched a particular episode yet, please skip our show because there will be spoilers. But if you do follow the show every week, this will be a nice little conclusion to wrap up the week that was whatever tough episode aired. So just, just a little announcement for you all. It's a nice little addition to the show. We've done some similar things like this in the past. However, we've never gone live after a reality TV show. So it should be very fun. Before we get out of here, uh, it is an off weekend of fights this week. So enjoy your Memorial Day and your weekend off. But before well, Zen, we get out of here, well, Zen, I think that's the thing now. It's it's even though there's no fights, it's the countdown to tough. That's that's the thing. Yeah, it's the it's the countdown to tough officially. But before we get out of here, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network everywhere across social media at ETB Network. Again, my name is Zan Bando. You can find my work over at bjpen.com. I am also a rankings panelist for Bellator MMA. Again, Bellator is coming back to my home city of Chicago, June 16th for Bellator 297. I cannot wait. And to my left of just Tom Albano, you can find his work over at Fanside and MMA as he has been cranking out recaps every single week. And then, of course, before we let you go, if you want to take the MMA Outsiders on the road with you, you can find our podcast on several of the audio-only platforms, including ACAST, if you don't want to see of me and Tom's faces. So that's all I have. Another crazy week of MMA is in the books. All MMA news, are as we normally do, but this was a very news-heavy program. Thank you again for tuning in. The MMA train will be back in full force um, a, a, week from, uh, a week from this morning, and we will look forward to to previewing the next UFC Fight Night card from the lovely Apex once again. Apex, Apex, Apex. And of course, before we get out of here, we just want to give a quick shout out to Joel Piper, and we want to remind everyone to be Joel Piper. Congratulations on his new uh, documentary that came out about a month or so ago now, and congratulations on his most recent fight, a major inspiration for the unofficial tagline of this program. So we just want to give a shout out to Philadelphia's finest as we usually do. Shout out Joe Piper. All right. That's Zan. I'm Tom. We'll see you on Tuesday. Actually double time, double time on Tuesday in the morning and at night. Yeah. Double time on Tuesday for the next 10 weeks. So get used to it. And uh, we thank you again for all of your support as we are coming up on a, on a mini milestone of 40 episodes of the MMA Outsiders that will officially be next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, For Zan, I'm Tom. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful week. What? You said said for Zan, I'm Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry.